0: morning. It's it's a good morning, isn't it? Can I say that definitively? Amen. Why can I say that? Because this is the day the Lord has made, correct? I'll rejoice and be glad in it. And uh, He's created it. He's already ordained it. Um, <coughs> your days are written in his book uh, from uh, from beginning to end. And so glad to see a number of you uh, back from, from last week. Um, I had a few phone calls this week from guys saying that they were going out of town on business or otherwise to make sure that they they didn't have to wear a pink apron or sit in a chair or something like that (laughs) after the challenge that we gave uh, last week. So I want you to open your Bibles. We're going to begin this morning with prayer. I want you to open your Bibles to Psalm 1. And we are going to just begin in prayer. And then I'm going to show you a video, a little one, about uh, four and a half minutes long that will set the tone for our time this morning. Really, we're talking about foundational convictions, men of grace and granite. So we're talking about developing those foundational convictions. And and really this morning is going to be the kickoff. Uh, last week was, uh, was getting oriented. Uh, I know... Heard from a lot of you this week is uh, looking up all the different verses, um, and so we're going to we're going to pile into that in just a minute. Um, Psalm one. Who would be willing to read Psalm one for me, and then we'll pray? Thank you. How blessed is the man who does not
1: walk in the counsel of the wicked. Nor stand in the path of sinners, nor set in the seat of scoffers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. He will be like a tree firmly planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither. And in whatever he does, he prospers. The wicked are not so, but they are like chaff which the wind drives away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous,
0: but the way of the wicked will perish. Pray, Father, we do thank you for your truth. Here, you have given us uh, an opportunity to begin uh, this day uh, with you and with men that love you. And with your word, and I can't think of any better way uh, to begin any day. And Lord, we heard uh, here from your from your mouth how blessed is the man who doesn't walk in the counsel uh, of the of the wicked. Lord, we want to be men that don't. Uh, they don't follow after our own hearts. We want to be men that don't follow after the ways of the of the world. There is a counsel there. There is a a way of viewing life, a way of thinking um, that is very natural to us, and yet is very contrary to you. Um, you created us, Lord, before for your glory, you created us to love you and to desire you and to serve you um, and to work. For you and to lead our families and to lead our wives, Uh, and yet, uh, Lord, uh, uh, sin got in the way. Um, And from Adam, we have had a battle. Uh, What is naturally uh, bubbling up from our hearts is is contrary to that. It's it's where this wisdom comes from, and um, we don't want to walk in that, we don't walk in the council. Of the ungodly. There's a picture here, Lord, of two ways to live, two types of men that have two completely different operating systems, two completely different desires, two completely different sources. And Lord, we want to be men that uh, are sourced in your book. We want to be men that love you. We want to be men that know you. And we cannot love you or know you uh, outside of the Bible. Um, and so, Lord, we, we pray this morning that you would teach us. We pray this morning that you would give us ears to hear and eyes to see. We pray this morning that you would help us be attentive to what you would want to say. Um, Lord, we we look to you. We look for your agenda. Um, and yet we, we fight, we strive, we, um, we, we pursue. And so we lean in this morning. Um, we're not just sitting back passively. Asking you to do something that you have commanded us to do. You will do what you have promised to do. But you have given us commands to pursue you, to strive, to labor to the point of exhaustion, to read your word, to memorize your word, to understand um, through effort. And so we want to do that this morning. Bless these men. Help me uh, as I lead. And ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right, this is a video. Uh, we'll probably start with, with one of these. Um, it's about four and a half minutes long or so. Actually, it says five, right at five. And it's called God Wrote a Book. And I want you to pay attention because it, it really gives a, a perspective that we should have about, about the Bible um, itself, and then we'll get into our lesson. Thank you.
2: self in this book. We meet him here or we don't meet him, not with any hope of friendship. Reading the Bible is one of the most important things we can ever do. It's more valuable than anything we own, sweeter than anything we have ever eaten. It is literally more important than breathing. It's not always what we see and feel when we open our Bible. Our weak, tired, distracted eyes look, and all we see is a lifeless, boring portrait on the wall. But it's not a portrait. It's a window. It doesn't hang lifeless in an old frame on the wall. It breaks through the wall into another world, the real world the lasting world, the better world. And through this window shines a divine light that changes everything around us. We all know that the road to knowing God is not easy. Discipline and resolve are important, but they can carry you only so far. A few days, a week, maybe a month, For the long run, we need something stronger, more compelling than discipline and resolve. There are too many traps along the path, too many hurdles. At the root, the reason we don't read the Bible is that we don't want to read the Bible. We don't see joy, peace, and life when we see that leather binding on our shelf, we see a wall, not a window. The boring portrait, not the never-ending beauty beyond. So we put it off, leave it shut, and move on. We stay in bed, and we miss Shine out of darkness, loves to speak light into hearts and minds. God wrote a book, and with his book, these words in front of us, he wakens our dead, born souls. He frees us from bondage to sin, from desires that rob us of life comforts the depressed, inspires the discouraged, guides the confused. He empowers us to make our lives count for his cause in the world. He satisfies us completely and forever with words. His words. I go? How else will I know him? How else will I prepare myself to enjoy him forever? Yes, I'll spend the rest of my life looking out of this window, watching, waiting for another sight of him, another mirror.
0: powerful isn't it did you notice what he said we don't read the bible because we don't want to read the bible it does begin with a desire doesn't it and that desire uh, is inherent to salvation in fact peter says we long for the sincere milk of the word um, that we might grow thereby it's a it's a it's something that that you get at salvation. You, you want to know God. John seventeen three says that the that, that salvation is to know Him, and obviously He wants us uh, He wants us to know Him. And we're uh, in series one, study one, foundational convictions. And we, we talked last time about being men of grace and granite, and we looked at a couple passages about how. About how it's it strength and grace, which is the title. It's it's grace. It's it's the the goodness of God, the compassion of God. It, this is not uh, um, you know the a worldly idea of of, of manhood, but it's also not a, a feminine idea of of manhood. It takes it takes courage. Um, it takes strenuous labor. Um, it takes pursuit, and that's what God calls us calls us to, to do. Um, we looked at First uh, Thessalonians chapter two, um, how Paul talks about this 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 idea of uh, of being strong in grace. And I shared with you uh, my story, at least part of it. It's still it's still going on. Uh, last night I was sitting. In my, uh, in my study, I don't know, it was about uh, 9.30 or so, and I was uh, praying and reviewing for this morning, and uh, and my wife sent me a text. You know, you probably have that situation. You're in one part of the house, and your family sends you a text in another part of the house. And she said, what uh, um, isn't today your birthday? Uh, it's October 25th. What, you know, what's she talking about? And then it dawned on me. September 24th yesterday 1995 23 years ago I was saved Amen. Um, so yesterday was my spiritual birthday 23 years old I'm only 23 um, I feel like I'm about three as far as the scriptures are concerned but I told you last time I, I had my mother whenever I when I got when I, when I came to Christ buy me a Bible with the little tabby things in it so I could tell the Old Testament from the New Testament I don't know anything. In 23 years, I've been pursuing uh, the Lord. Um, two steps forward, sometimes three steps back. Uh, sometimes three steps forward, one step back. It's a, it's a it's a it's a slow, progressive growth. There's there's no magic bullet, is there? I mean, you can come to a study like this. You can come with other men and. And you're not going to get, you know, some grace and granted inoculation that's going to keep you from temptation or sin, you know, uh, or, or, or where it's now I don't have to do anything, you know, anymore. You're, you're a warrior. Uh, you are a, a hardworking farmer. Um, you are all of those things that Paul said last time. And yet you have a God who, who wrote you a book, his words. And he's placed his spirit in you. So you're not left alone. You were left alone, or it was up to your willpower, or your strength, or mine. We we might as well just pack it up and go home. But we have the promises of God, and and we have the graces of God, and so we so we pursue. We we press in. We don't we don't just lay back. A lot of people live their spiritual life that way. They're they're just kind of sitting on the sidelines of the church, or they come in and they just you know and i don't mean this like you know you've you've heard i remember the preacher saying uh you know, some of you come to church with your arms crossed and you, and you just you, you glare and you say go ahead bless me i dare you that's how you approach sermons i'm not even talking about that i'm just talking about you know i'm here and god wants to do something then that's great but but the but's the problem but if not that's that's all right too and that's not all right you know you you press in. I remember Al Mohler saying that whenever you listen to a sermon, um, you're like a catcher. Uh, you know, there's a pitcher. If it's a good preacher, he's he's going to pitch the the word of God to you, and, and you get down and you have your mitt out and you are ready. You're you're pursuing. You are you come anticipating that God is going to say something to the extent that the Bible is is present and it's rightly divided god will God will speak he wrote he wrote a book and he wrote that book to you and and to me so we're talking about driving home some foundational convictions and so there's a pursuit but there's you know there's some stakes that we want to drive down that will help us in that in that pursuit. these are convictions these are are things that give you courage to stand. They're they're moorings, they're stakes that you can drive down in your spiritual life whenever whenever the winds do begin to blow, whenever the counsel of the ungodly does come, whenever the wickedness in your own heart begins to rise up, because you're not done, redemption will take away the, the, the final sin. So you fight the world, the flesh, and the devil just like me. And so you need some stakes driven down, and that's what this that's what this section is all all about. Convictions that will help you be men of courage to stand on the truth and then vigorously, vigorously apply it to your life. Not passively, vigorously apply it to your life. Um, And then furthermore, uh, build a stronger commitment to, to the church, to the bride of Christ. I've heard it before, you've probably heard it before, even the Lone Ranger had Tonto no spiritual lone rangers out there. This idea of me and God—away with it! It's from the pit of hell. It, you and the Lord—you know, you're getting downloads from from the Lord. You are, you're out there on your own with the Lord, apart from the church. Now you are saved individually. I was saved individually, and in, in you're. You have a, a, a relationship individually with God, but you are also part of a body and you need that body in order to in order to, to function. You need one another. You need the men in, in this room and, and you need the men that that aren't in this room. So there's a there's a commitment to to the church. And the very first foundational commitment we wanna we wanna drive down here is um, is having a working biblical literacy. Now, what exactly does, what does that mean? This is under the, the Bible passages for studies. God wrote a book and there's there's really, there's nobody like Piper uh, to be able to, you know, to put passion to, to a simple truth like that. Um, God wrote wrote a book, and he wrote that book to you. That's that's mind-blowing. It really is. Um, And if that's true, then then we need to be be devotees. We need to be disciples. We need to be apprentices of that that book. Um, We need to become black belts uh, in, in the Bible. Spurgeon said, if you wish to know God, you you must know his word. Now think about that. I mean, I know these these are things that you hear on a regular basis, but meditate on that for a second. If you wish to know God, you must know his word. Think of how much effort other people, maybe you, put into knowing God, but how little effort we put into knowing his word other than whatever time we spend on, on Sunday or Sunday. If you want to know God, you will know the Bible. If you know the Bible, you will know God. I mean, that's what the Scripture teaches. It is His revelation. It's it's how you know Him. If you want to know God, you must know know His Word. And there's there's no shortcuts. Um, And I picked this video not only because it gives this idea that, that, that the Bible is like a window. You can look through it to what is real. Bible says we walk by faith and not by sight. That's not getting, you know, super sincere and, you know, getting all psyched up. It means that that you are believing what God said about, about reality. Um, you're looking through a window. So when you go to the scriptures and you look through the Bible, the Bible rightly interprets you, it interprets your marriage, it interprets the world, it interprets what's right and what's wrong, and it's... It's not a portrait, it's a window. You, you, you actually get to see what's, what's, what's real. And I also picked it because of what he says. The reason we don't do it is because we, we ultimately don't want to do it. Um, you find a way to do what you want to do. Uh, I got up really early this morning because I wanted to. I really did. I mean, when I got out of bed this morning, I was, I was so excited to get here with you men and study the Word. I mean, it wasn't like, oh, the alarm. <laughs> now, I do that, obviously, like you do, but not here, not this morning. I mean, I, I couldn't wait to get here. I, I really couldn't because I wanted to be here. Um, and whatever it was uh, that, that brought you here this morning, you wanted to be here, whatever the motivation was. Maybe it wasn't I can't wait to come and see Pastor this morning or whoever's sitting beside you, but, but maybe you thought, I need this, so I'm going to get out of bed you know, to get here. So I'm not talking about feeling-driven. That you're somehow your your walk with God is all feeling. Well, if I want to do this, then I should do it. You know, <laughs> a lot of times we're commanded to do things when we don't want to do it. When we do that, we're we're just obedient, which is what we're supposed to do. But there's no shortcuts, and you you find a way to do what what you want to do. Um, one of my favorite illustrations of that came from came from Adrian Rogers. He was always good with these little pithy stories. He told a story about a young man and a young lady, and uh, they were walking home from uh, from school. Um, I guess before vehicles, and and uh, the young man catches up with the young lady, and they start walking together. And the young man's carrying a pig and a basket, pig under one arm and a basket under the under the other so they walk along for a while and the young man says, the, you know, I know a shortcut uh, the, you know, cut a couple miles off of our walk home and so it's just right through those woods there, so we'll go right across the field and we'll go th- right through the woods and then, you know, the, the road's in a bend and it will it'll dump us out and it's a shortcut and the, and the, the young lady said I, I'm not going to do that she said, it's just me and you and you might get me in the woods and try to kiss me and, it, and the young man said, well, how can I do that? I've got a pig under one arm and a basket under the other. And the young lady said, well, you can put the basket down and I can hold the pig. <laughs> <laughs> there's a will, there's a way, <laughs> what Adrian Rogers said. You find a way to do what, what you want to do. Um, and so having a working biblical literacy Begins with understanding broad categories. You need to understand the broad categories of systematic and biblical theology. Now don't let these words scare you. I'm not talking about going to, to seminary class, even though that wouldn't be a bad idea. Understanding broad categories. Um, bibliology, understanding the the doctrine of the teachings about the Bible theology proper about God Christology about Christ pneumatology about the spirit ecclesiology about the church soteriology about salvation eschatology about end times angelology that's obvious but angel apologetics no information is boring if you enjoy the subject if you enjoy the subject that information is is not boring. And not enjoying the Bible or studying about God says more about your view of God or your love for God or your what you think about God than than your interest in the in the study. Um, I told you I I didn't know I could take the books of the Bible, but I just had an immediate hunger and knowledge, a desire to know more. Um, but I had no idea where to start. I really didn't um, now I want to show you uh, a little uh, slide here if I can if I can get it up um, they kind of outlines the process um, I'm not the most See that? Sort of. On the front row? <laughs> well, you can just, you can, this is where I started and most people start. I'll read it to you guys in the back row, okay? This is a, it's like a pyramid. This how to change and grow. If you want to know God, you have a desire to know God. You're here because you have a desire to know God. And so now you have to, you have to put some pursuit you know, in that. So where do you start? You start where I did. You just have a hunger. You have a hunger and a desire that you didn't have before. You, you know, I mean, I went from, I told you, riding four-wheelers, dipping Copenhagen, listening to Hank Williams Jr., to sitting listening to trios and, and wanting to read the Bible but having no idea what it, what it, under, what it, what it even meant. So you start here at level one. You just read the scriptures, okay? You just read the Bible. And, and, and we talked last week about, you know, you, you get all these little pieces, okay? You read this story about, about Jonah, and then you read, you know, something in Revelation, and you say, what, what is that about? And then you go back and you read Genesis, and, and you have all these pieces. But, but you don't really know how to, how to r- really understand. You don't understand how to get the context. You might read something and take it out of context. You're, you're just immersing yourself in the information. This is where the majority of people spend their Christian Christian lives. They just read. I call it worm drilling. You know, they, they take a passage and they drill down, or they or they listen to the sermon. Or they read the daily bread, or whatever it is. And these aren't bad things. But they just they just stay at this. At this beginning level where where they, they read the Bible. Now, obviously, I'm not telling you that reading the Bible is bad. It's good. What I am telling you, there's way, way more than that. The second level, this is uh, fancy words for inductive Bible study. Okay? Start reading the Bible. But I want to understand more. Or I have a question. I read the scriptures, and it says this. What does that mean? Well, I don't even know that it says that ten other times in the Bible somewhere else. Because I haven't read it enough. So some people don't even read. Some people read, and then they go, how do I figure this out? The The whole idea of church is not to be dependent on me or your Sunday school teacher. The whole idea is that you might be equipped so that you can understand the Bible yourself. And so this is... The the second level, how you change and, and how you grow. You you move into this into this. There are actually rules to the game. Now, none of you, okay? Now, I wouldn't I wouldn't do this at all. None of you, though. None of you would would go out on the basketball court or on the soccer field or whatever it is and start playing the game without knowing the rules or at least some idea of the rules. Okay? Well, we go to the Bible and we read the Bible. But a lot of us don't understand the rules. There are actually rules to interpretation. There are ways. God wrote the Bible not to confuse you or, or to have it just for a few theological eggheads. He wrote the Bible for us to understand. It's, it's about Him. He wrote a book to us. And there's actually a way that you can understand it. And this is observation. This is just just observing what the text says. Uh, this is interpreting the Bible. How do you interpret it? How do you take context? How do you how do you be, see where a passage begins and where a passage ends? Uh, how do you figure out the main idea and the main theme in it? This is you're getting into into a little bit more more work, but there's also tremendous clarity that comes with the inductive <coughs> part. I hear on a. Uh, uh, I'll hear people say, Pastor, just tell me what to do. Okay, Just tell me what to do. I want to come to church and you just tell me what to do. I can tell you what to do, but, but you're not going to do it. You're going to listen to it and you're going to try to put it into practice. But it's not going to change you from the inside. And you have to be changed from the inside before you'll ever do it on the outside. Or it'll be temporary. You'll do it for a while. So the the 10 ways to fix your marriage or the or the 5 ways to financial freedom or the or the 3 ways to find joy in your life is just short lived I, I had a I had a person describe church to me one time whenever I was in uh, whenever I was in, in in school seminary and they said you know I just want somebody to get me I just want the sermon to get me from Sunday to Sunday Just give me enough to come back on Sunday. I don't want, that's not Christianity, to get you from Sunday to Sunday, to get you through life. Christianity is about knowing God, knowing who He is, you understanding Him. So you start here, and then you move into work, really. But you learn. And then it gets easier. You practice it. And then after you you learn how to actually study then you move into the third level the third level is understanding that there's, there's a, a storyline to the Bible remember my, my analogy of the Betty Lucas felt board i got all these pieces but I, but I don't understand the panorama there were two things that absolutely ch- changed the way that I read the Bible one, I told you last week the main character in the Bible is who? Jesus. it's God, Jesus, the main character in the Bible is God so when I'm reading about Joseph this is not about Joseph Primarily. <clears throat> it's about God. What is God trying to teach us? What is He trying to reveal about Himself whenever He tells us the story of Cain and Abel? It's not just about sibling rivalry, it's about God. What's He trying to tell us there? Well, I'll tell you what He's trying to tell us. The fall just happened. I mean, they just, the fall just happened after creation. Adam and Eve rejected God, and the fall took place. And the first story, the curse happens, the first story that God tells us is about two brothers fighting. And the main idea is don't fight with your brother. That's not the main idea. What's God trying to say? How bad was the fall? How bad was it? It was so bad, murder happens. That's how bad it was. It's teaching us something about God. He's the main character. And yeah, you can learn something about sacrifice. You can learn some about... About brothers and those kind of things, because we're human beings, and no temptation has taken you. But such which is common unto man, the main character in the Bible is God. That was the first thing that changed the way I read the Bible. The second thing that changed the way I read the Bible is that it's a it's a complete story. In actually seeing that from beginning to end, having the biblical theology—that's the fancy word for it—how everything connects together, that there is a a massive storyline then after that you learn that, the, that there, there are doctrines that are taught in the Bible over and over and over in different places mm-hmm. and that's called systematic theology the Bible teaches things about salvation, the Bible teaches things about the church, the Bible teaches things about the end times that's systematic theology system, systematizing those things Now you can't get this out of order. Discipleship is not going and reading a systematic theology. You know, and learning the five points of Calvinism or the four points of whatever. That's not where you start. You start down here by just reading the Bible. It's a good thing. Read the Bible. Get in the Bible. Pursue the Bible. Love God through the Bible. And then as you read it, you're going to learn. You need some tools to figure out what is this saying? And ask questions. Questions are good. I, I, I mean, my pastor did me such a service by saying to me when I asked him a question, I don't know. I, I'm thinking, what do you mean? You're the expert. I you remember hearing a pastor saying on time, you know, it's uh, it, uh, Christians or uh, Christian pastors are the only ones that are uh, uh, able to do that, to actually say I don't know and that it's all right to say I don't know. You take your car down to Lacks or wherever else, and you take it in there, and you say, there's a problem with it. Would you fix it? And you come, yeah, sure, I'll I'll take a look at it. They come back, and you say, well, well, what was wrong with it? You say, I have absolutely no idea, but here's your bill. (laughs) It's okay to say, I don't know. Now, you shouldn't say, I don't know, when you should know, because you were too lazy to do the work. There are things that you can't reconcile. There's things that you can't understand. Don't be afraid to interrogate the text. The text is going to interrogate you. Don't be afraid to say, I don't understand how the sovereignty of God and the responsibility of man reconcile. Don't be afraid of that. Don't be afraid of the hard text. I mean, when it says that God chose, it says God chose. And when it says, whosoever will let him come, that's what it says. How are you going to reconcile those? What do they say? Well, ask those questions. You need the tools to be able to do that. The biblical theology from there is the storyline. As you begin to um, work through that process, you're going to be able to. You're going to begin, You're going to see that from Genesis all the way through Revelation, God's doing the same thing. And then you're going to begin to see that those doctrines are taught over and over and over, and you can't actually systematize them. Okay? Now here is, is the pinnacle. And very few people get here, or they get here after a really, really, really long time. Most of the time because they just they just stay here. Some, some don't even get on the page. They don't even read their Bibles. They don't even study some read their Bibles and they, they don't do the hard work to learn how to understand it. Some learn how to understand it, but, but they don't ever pay attention to the fact that there is a storyline here and God's communicating. And, and, and some are happy there and, and they don't ever study that, 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 that there is a clear stream of doctrines taught over and over and over in the Bible that come to us from the Old Testament to the New Testament of the Apostles down to the day. And some have all kinds of knowledge and information and they actually never learn how to put it in practice in life. That's what practical theology is. So what? That's the so what of your study. So what? So what that the Bible is the, the word of the living God? So what that God commands you to do? How do you put it in practice in life? Um, there's a gap between what you know and, and what, what you do. You have to put it into, put it into practice. And that's the process of growing your change. And obviously, it's not okay. I just stay here and I understand everything about the Bible, and then I move to this level. And then you're, you're doing this in you know, in a, in in all different types of, of areas. Sanctification is, is ups and downs, but it's a but it's a it's a progressive growth. So have a working biblical literacy. You're not going to have that unless you you pursue it. I was a suggested resource there about essential truths in the the Christian life. Um, What about you? You may want to share um, an experience like that in your personal life. Can you see that happening? Maybe some of you have grown. Some of you are somewhere on that continuum that You started reading and then you learn how to understand what you're reading and then you begin to learn that there's a storyline and then you begin to learn that there are actual doctrines, systems of of, of truth that that are all through the Bible you may want to give a testimony of the practical theology side, I knew a lot of information but I needed to figure out how to put it into practice it takes skill to be able to, to do that wisdom is knowing how to put the Bible into practice wisdom and understanding. I mean, you walked with the Lord for a long time.
1: Yeah. Uh, I thought about when i I won't go into a lengthy testimony. I actually got saved due to a church split. Uh, The Lord can bring beauty out of that. Uh, My uh, mother-in-law gave me sound counsel when I was trying to figure out what side of the issue to come down on. She said, just read your Bible. So I uh, I began to do that and I found out that salvation was because I'd come forward in a meeting and was baptized and salvation was by grace alone. Just through reading the scripture, of course, that increased my hunger uh, for the word and I began to grow. Eventually uh, enrolled in a off-campus program of the uh, Citadel Baptist Theological Seminary and earned the bachelor's. Learned a lot through that. Uh, I found out that the books I was studying for my bachelor's, my pastor's son, who was our, also our associate pastor at the time, we were talking about me going on and continuing education. He said, Steve, the problems that you have is this. The books that you studied and the subjects you studied for your bachelors are what I studied for my masters. You know, that, you, that actually started you at a higher level. That just increased uh, my knowledge for the word. I began to read, uh, read the word, read all these various. helps. Uh, you talked about understanding and reading, and studying hermeneutics, and how that that helped me you know, to increase my understanding. I told someone once the first year I was saved, I read the Bible through three times. I said, I didn't really learn a lot other than where the books were that I just wanted to learn. And that was, at that point in my life, that was the only way I knew to to begin to understand it. I still continue to do that. Uh, And I try to challenge myself. I like to read a lot of what Sproul writes it's he's, he's, he's an author. Sometimes Sproul gets way, <laughs> way up here with his philosophy, and I'm going to go, Dr. Sproul, you're way beyond what this board of Bill will can understand. But, uh, it's just amazing how the Lord has, has helped me in understanding his word and growing closer to him, through really just intense study of his word and about his word. I think right now two books I'm reading is one by it's uh, actually edited by MacArthur called The Preacher as a Theologian and the second one is a book that was written it's actually a compilation of uh, sermons from the 2010 uh, Together for the Gospel conference called the unadjusted gospels. And both both of those are are very good very good resources to help you understand uh, scripture at a deeper level.
0: You know how Martin Luther got saved, obviously by God. But you know what his father confessor we saw it was that the Lord was convicting him and wrestling with him. You know what he what he, what he sent him to do. He sent him to study and teach. Actually, he sent him to teach the Bible. Now, this is in a, a long time ago, in, in a Catholic context. We, can, we don't have time to get into the, the, the heresy of, of Catholic doctrine. But why did he do that? This man was smart enough to know that salvation came from the Scriptures and that Luther was only going to understand what he needed to understand by getting in the, getting in the text, So if you look at this or you hear you go, I'm clueless, okay? I don't even know where to start. Just get in the Bible, and God will begin to work. As you get in the Bible and you begin to ask questions, ask the question. I don't understand that. As you're listening to the sermon, Pastor, how did you get that? I see it, but I don't know how you, you know, you got to eight. You're telling me, you know, it's... It's it's this mathematical equation. T- tell me, teach me. That's all I did. I Can you remember coming to a man at Red House who was? I have no idea old he was. He had gray hair, and uh, I I said, "There's I'm reading things and I don't understand, and I, I I want to understand." And he said, "Brian, don't get worked up about it. If there's something that you read the Bible that you don't understand, just pigeonhole it. You know, just." Just put it up there in the mailbox. Uh, you know, you may have to know some things before you can know some things. You may have to learn some things before you can actually connect the dots. The Lord may have to give you two other pieces of that puzzle before you can pull that one down and actually put it in the you know in the continuum. So ask the question. Read the Bible. But you have to do that in order to grow. You have to have a desire to do that, you have to pursue. So look at a B have a working biblical literacy knowing in your bible where specific passages speak to specific issues now second peter chapter 1 verse 3 is a it's a passage that you had to look up it was the first one that you had to look up you have been given Already, you have been granted in salvation all things pertaining to life and godliness. You don't need anything else as far as spiritual uh, enlightenment or abilities. You have the Holy Spirit of God, you have the Word of God. Now you need to practice it. All things pertaining to life and godliness everything that's needed to bring you unto God's appointed end eternal life heaven God has already provided and and godliness living out that life here has already been provided so knowing in your bible where specific passages speak to specific issues and my experience is I, I had to have a reason to do that it's not just a matter of memorizing okay where where can I uh, where can I learn why did I learn the Romans road I learned the Romans road because I want to share Jesus with people so I didn't know how to share Jesus with somebody I knew what he did for me and I could tell my testimony but I'm hearing from the preaching that faith comes by hearing hearing by the word of Christ hearing by the word of God so I want to be able to, to, to show someone I, I witnessed to somebody and they said well who says I'm a sinner how do, I, how do you know that I'm a sinner well, because I'm a sinner, and you're probably like me, you know. I don't know where to go, so I go back to my pastor, or I sit there, and I say, where does the Bible say that everybody's a sinner? Well, it's right here, Romans chapter 3 is a great place to start. Well, okay, that's great, and, and then is there anything beyond that? So I'm not, you know, you, uh, what's it? Bill Bright that said failure to witness is, is failure to witness. A failure in witnessing is failure to witness. I'm not advocating a system. Um, you share your faith. My point is that I, I had a reason you know, to do that. So um, y- you know where certain things are taught in the Bible through through practice. It's not merely an academic exercise. It's not merely data dissemination. The church must be continually grounded in a love for the truth so that they know how to put feet to their theology. Christians have two Christians, Christians have two primary problems. They either don't know what to do or they know what to do and they don't carry it out or know how to carry it out. So they either don't know what to do. You, you can't do it if you don't know it. And then you may know it but you may not be Obeying. So it's not just merely an academic exercise. Um, you have to be grounded in a love for the truth, a desire, a desire for the truth. And you have to know how to put the key to your theology. And then you have to believe it. One of my favorite passages uh, related to this is in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 13. 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 13. Paul is praising believers here. And he says, For this reason, we also constantly thank God that when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, notice somebody shared the word with them, you accepted it not as the word of men, but for what it really is, the word of God. Which also performs its work in you who, who believe. You you have to believe the Bible, for the Bible to work in your in your life. Um, Paul says that they received the word not as word not as the word of men, but what it really for what it really is the word of God and the word performs the word. Heard other men quoted, but Spurgeon, talking about the Bible, defending the Bible, said, "You'll hear this quoted a number of different ways. You don't need to defend a lion. You just need to let the lion out of the cage." It's true. Don't worry about somebody. You know the Bible needing defended. The Bible doesn't need defended. You just state what the Bible says. You let the Bible do what the Bible does. But you have to believe it's not the word of men but what it is in truth, the word of God. So believe it. Know doctrine and be able to build others up. Uh, someday your kids will need to know the truth and you'll be need to be able to give them the truth. The Bible says the word is truth. What does it mean the Bible the word is is truth. Jesus said, Your word is truth. What does that mean? Your word is truth. Work that out practically for me. Yep. It's the objective standard by which we measure things. Excellent. It's the objective standard by which we measure things. Everything is reconciled to the Bible. It's not a book that you put alongside all the other things in the world, what your grandpa taught you, what National Geographic says, what your you know whoever. And then here's the Bible, it's one of many voices. It's it's the voice. It's the it's the truth. And everything is measured to it. That means anything competing with it is is not. So Believing it, knowing it, memorizing it. When was the last time that you memorized the Bible? Um, when I was being discipled, we did uh, uh, about four things. We prayed. Um, we went over a lesson. So every week we had a lesson that we worked through. We read two chapters of the Bible Together and and wrote down what we learned from it. Um, so we started in First John, and I never forget this because I mean this is how dumb I am. I mean I don't know anything. So he says we're going to read two chapters of First John, and we want to do it. Um, we we want to do we want to do it every day. and in, in the way he explained it, what he meant was we're going to read First John chapter one and First John chapter two. And then we're going to read 1 John 3, and we're going to read 1 John 4. Well, I thought it meant just verses. So I read, for the, my first week of discipleship, I read 1 John verse 1 and 1 John verse 2. That's what I read the first day. I read two verses. And then the next day I read 1 John verse 3 and 1 John verse, chapter 1 verse 4. And I came back in and he said, what did you learn from, you know, from chapter 1? Because after I read it, I was supposed to write down in a journal. This is great. When you're reading the Bible, he said, just start this way. Pray this very simple prayer. Lord, teach me something new today. Do you ask the Lord to teach you something when you go to the Bible? Lord, teach me something new today. I mean, this is your word, and I want to learn from you. I'm just going to bow my head. I'm just going to ask you before I ever read, before I ever do the psalm of the day, or whatever it is, Lord, teach me something new today about you. I want to know you. Teach me something about you today, and then read, and then write down what you learned. Write down the questions that you had. Write down, I, I don't understand this, and then you bring it to the next time that you know that we get together. That's great. What'd you learn about chapter one? That's kind of a question. Well, I mean, okay, yeah, all this is right here in chapter one. what'd you learn about chapter two? I never got out of chapter one. What are you talking about? So when I learned the system. Oh, we were reading two chapters a day and I was writing that down and then we also had a passage to memorize um, I never memorized the Bible I memorized all kinds of other things you memorize stuff all the time and you don't realize it so don't tell me you can't memorize the Bible you memorize your job at work you memorized how to get here this morning did you need a GPS to get from your home to, to church this morning Now, you may need a GPS if you're going somewhere you've never been, but you memorize that all the time. I got up really early this morning. My wife was still in bed. The lights were out. I was able to walk through my house in the pitch black and get to the bathroom, and actually I was able to get my socks and my underwear out of the drawer without ever turning the line. How did I do that? I don't have x-ray vision. I memorized it. I've done it over and over and over and over. So I can do it in the dark. You need to do the same thing with the Word of God. You practice it, and therefore you, you learn it. So we memorized the verse. How did I learn that verse? I didn't read. I, I, I still am a very slow reader. How did I do that? I worked on it over and over and over. I wrote it down. I did what I did in grade school when I got in trouble. Now, they don't do this anymore. When I was in grade school, I got, I got paddled. I went to the principal's office, and I got a paddle. And um, I don't know that it did any good, but I got one. The other thing, before you got paddled, you had to go to the board during recess, and you did what? You wrote it down. Wrote it down. I will not talk in class. I will not talk in class. I will not talk in class while teacher Barnes is, you know, what? 50 times. I wrote the verse out 50 times until I learned it. And then the next week I got a new verse. You know what I've discovered? I actually was able to memorize it. And then the second week I got a new verse and I was able to memorize it. And then I went back for the third week you know what he did? What's your first week memory verse? Well, no, wait a minute now. I'm on week three here it's like no you need to remember week one and so I didn't know it I knew part of it so I had to keep that up I had to keep keep practicing it practicing and practicing and practicing Um, memorizing it Psalm 119 um, verses 9 through 11 wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his ways and you know that passage ends with hiding God's Word in your heart. Um, the way that you're going to be kept from sin is to hide God's Word in your heart. Um, you got to hide it in your heart. How do you hide it in your heart? If you have to write it out 50 times, write it out 50 times. till you can walk in the dark and get your socks and underwear out of the drawer, out of the Bible. That's what it looks like. Um, that's not for sissies, is it? But it will put some spiritual steel in your life that whenever you need that verse or whenever you need that truth, you'll be able to bring it up. Now look at the, the next one there. Meditate on it. Joshua chapter 1, verse 8. Meditate on it. And it goes along with, um, with this next section. Um, what do you think of whenever you hear the word meditate?
1: Um, yeah, I'm huh? yeah. um, uh, <laughs> you know eating
0: paste and uh, the Hari Krishnas, uh, you know the little bald guys in, in uh, gold robes in the in the airports. Um, that's not what the word means. Um, it means to to think to focus, to to go over, um, to to ponder, to consider a specific truth, um, to where you, you pursue it. You pursue the truth in your mind. And you want to you want to try to understand it. Um, you meditate on it. So it's not just an academic exercise. You have to believe it. You have to know it. One of the ways that you're going to learn it is by memorizing it and then you're going to you're just going to think about it. You think about God. If this moment right here is the only time that you think about God the rest of the day, I want to challenge you. You need to think about God more. If the only time you think about God is on Sunday morning, you need to think about God more. Because He's life. He's, just, he's life. You meditate on him. And that could be challenging. Um, all of this above doesn't happen easily, uh, easily or passively, and life's going to fight against you. And you have to do battle. So you have to be alert of the challenges that that this this age has. What are some of the challenges um, that you have to think about God on a regular on a regular basis, or or actually? Meditate, consider. Again, I'm not talking about eat paste. I'm talking about thinking about God, thinking about that passage, thinking about how how do I put this into practice? What does that mean? Where's some challenges? Having time. Okay, have time to do it. Yeah, it's good. Distractions. Distractions. Life's busy. There's distractions. There's all kinds of things you know coming at you on a regular basis. I, I don't. I mean, I've heard the statistics before. But the number of solicitations that you'll get today to listen to me is overwhelming. You're going to turn the radio on, and you're going to get all kinds of commercials. You know, buy a ticket to this. Uh, you know, watch this. Uh, you know, eat here. I it's mean, all kinds of distractions. What else? Time <coughs>
2: distractions. One of the things I think uh, that I've done before is I compartmentalized so it's like this time in the morning is my meditation time and the rest of the day is when I just need to get after doing whatever it is to, to do and I think one of the biggest things that helped me was seeing all of life is open, like, the Bible needs to be brought to, like speak to all these issues that I'm dealing with and so it, like, all of my life sort of becomes a meditation where I'm like, okay, how would God want me to interact with this person? How does God want me to shepherd my wife or, or relate to her uh, in this moment? Um, you know, the whole day now is, is wide open and have God's word brought to bear in that situation. So that's that's also I think a form of meditation is we an application as we're applying that word to those things. And it just God comes into every moment then in that way.
0: Okay? So you're basically telling us how to remove some of the distractions rather than what some of the distractions you know are. Can some of the distractions be good things? Can they be things that you're commanded to do? You're commanded to go to work. You're, you're not to be a monk in the middle of the desert. You know, I mean, that'd be nice if you could just kind of sit out there and just think about God all the time. But you have to go to work. Some of you very quick, very soon. But you're commanded to do that. If you don't care for your family, you're worse than an unbeliever. Um, there are times when I want to pray, and I I'm I'm right in the middle of of really wrestling through something, and the next thing you know. The door in my study bounds open and in pops Bella and she is wanting to show me a picture that she's just got done drawing um, that's a good distraction, but it's still a distraction it is, I still have to get back after it, so you do have to draw some boundaries you know. Um, if that's happening all the time then I probably need to set aside some time where Bella can't get to me I need to get up a little bit earlier Uh, or go somewhere else. But at the same time, those distractions are going to come. Never in history, never in the history of the church has there been such an expectation for an immediate response to any kind of communication. I mean, you, uh, you thank God, mine's not here. It's in the other room. There's this little thingy called a phone, and you carry it everywhere. You even have a watch now that can get to you. And those are good tools, but they are also... Distractions. Think about the next time that you study your Bible or you read your Bible. Think about uh, putting your phone somewhere else, because when when we have Life Three Hundred and Sixty apps on our phone, okay. Now I don't know if you've ever if you ever uh, talked saw the science of you remember AOL. Number of <laughs> you in here? know AOL. No, what's that? you got mm-hmm. mail. That was, the, that was the first psychological uh, Pavlovian dog thing that was done in order to get you to look at your, at your thing. Now it's a little ding, ding, you know, or you know, a whistle, or whatever. You can change the tones now. Life 360 app always goes off in our home when Tracy or Olivia or one of the kids gets close to our home. Because our, dry, our subdivision goes around this way. So when they pass the house, they're about a minute away. It thinks that they're home because the road gets so close to the house. But they still have to go out. Last night, we were sitting there. Tracy was coming back from Sinwise later. This thing, you know, I don't even forget the, I can't make the sound. You know, Ding. Our dog, Tracy's beloved faithful servant, Ellie. It's her dog, not my dog. Jumps up. I mean like from a dead sleep, jumps up and goes to the door and waits for her to come home. When you're reading the Bible and those texts are going off or the emails are coming in, don't tell me that's not distracting you because it is. It's it's wired that way. Put the thing away. Put it somewhere else while you're giving time to, to the Word. We don't sit and ponder truth as the Puritans once did. Um, Something has to be in there to ponder it. So you've got to put something in there. But then once it's in there, you need to think about it. Um, Ponder truth. Don't be alone with your thoughts. Be alone with God's thoughts if you get along with your thoughts, you're going to get messed up really fast. Uh, Was it Martin Lloyd-Jones, you know, said, uh, don't uh, talk to yourself. Don't let yourself talk to you. There's a conversation going on in your head right now. You know, don't, don't, don't let your heart talk to you. It will deceive you. It will lead you astray. You need to talk to your heart, and you need truth in order to do that battle. Biblical insights and discernment are cultivated pondering truth and its implications from every from every angle as to the implications of your heart and, and conduct turn to Hebrews chapter 5 verse 14 <clears throat> Hebrews chapter 5 hey pastor verse 14 yeah please. Uh,
1: I think the idea is listen to yourself less and speak truth to yourself more
0: is what we Teaching the counseling line, Listen to yourself less. Yep. Yeah. Don't talk to yourself. Or, sorry. Uh, don't let yourself talk to you. Talk to yourself. Mm-hmm. You're talking to yourself. The truth. Um. Look at verse thirteen. Let's say fourteen. Thirteen and fourteen. For everyone who partakes only of milk is not accustomed to the word of righteousness, for he is an infant. everyone who partakes only of milk is not accustomed to the word of righteousness. Uh, How how many days old is Eleanor now, Clay? Uh, Four. Four days old. Um, She is getting accustomed even to milk. But you wouldn't turn around and feed her a piece of steak or McDonald's or anything else. But if Eleanor stays on milk her whole life, she's going to have some significant problems. Um, there are a lot of Christians that have been saved for a really, really long time, and they're spiritual midgets, and they're that way because they've never fed on anything other than other than milk. They're an infant. They're accustomed to it. I mean, that's what they—that's what they eat on a regular basis. But look at verse fourteen. Look at the contrast. But solid food is for the is for the mature. We talked about that process, that that pyramid, that triangle that you're going to be working through. You're somewhere on that continuum. But solid food is for the mature. Now pick this up. Who, because of practice, have their senses trained? discern good from evil. Because of practice they have their senses trained to discern between good and evil. Biblical insights and discernment are cultivated by pondering and then putting it into practice and you're practicing it. When that happens, your senses get trained. And you can discern good from evil. All right, here's a pretty easy one to put into practice. You must be an expository listener on Sunday, pondering, confessing, yielding, and worshiping. Uh, First, you're like a catcher. Do you sit down and think through the implications of a sermon? On our bulletins, we write on the back of it a place for you to take notes you can write some of these things down. small group, they give you the list of, of questions it's there, it's an opportunity to be able to to think through look at a principle in scripture and say how does this implicate my life how must my inner life change the external change follows inner change being and and doing You're not just listening to the sermon for information. You're not just listening to the sermon to experience. You're listening to take in God's truth and then put it into practice in your life. And you need to interrogate yourself with with the truth. You need to ask those questions. If you don't, it's just going to come in and bounce right off your heart. Or, Or God's going to have to just i mean hit you hard. And even sometimes that doesn't last very long. You have to be intentional, is what I'm saying so be an expository listener on on Sunday so this morning have a work in biblical literacy what does that mean you're in a process, you're in a continuum of learning and wherever you're at is exactly where you are and yet it's not where you want to stay um it's not merely academic you have to believe it, know it, memorize, meditate on it, and be alert to the challenges. And next time we'll uh, we're going to talk about a number of, uh, of the topics, probably two, three, four, and, uh, and five. So here's your assignment for, for next week. I want you um, to pick uh, any verse. And I want you to memorize it. I want you to find a verse of scripture. Now, don't give me Jesus wept, because I'll call you a sissy. Um, pick something. Pick something that you that you know you need. You need to have this truth tattooed on your soul. And and, and then I want you to pursue memorizing that. And then as you read the Bible. I want you to. I want you to get alone somewhere and put aside the distractions. Put put aside the phone. You know, take take thirty minutes somewhere. Get up before everyone else. Put your phone out, and I want you before you read. I want you to bow your head, and I want you to say, "Lord, teach me something new today." And then I want you to read, and then I want you to write down the questions or things that you learn. And between now and next Tuesday. I want you to work on memorizing that verse and um, if you have to write it out I will not talk during class a hundred times uh, do that and then next week come ready with that verse because I may call on you and ask you to, memorize, uh, to recite it All right. All right, let's pray Father, thank you for your truth thank you for the time together with these men pray that you'll bless them now as they go out into this world, into their workplaces and um, I pray you would keep them safe, you would preserve them from the wicked one, I pray that you would increase their hunger and desire for your word I pray that you would not allow them to be overwhelmed but to be encouraged I pray that they would just simply pursue you and stand back and watch what you will do in our lives because you wrote a book and you wrote that book to us Help us to love it and learn it in Jesus' name. Amen.